I have to ask, do you ever have nightmares that Hayward shot went in at the end of the national championship? <laughs> you know, you don't think people are going to make a half court shot. That's yeah. a, that's a tough shot to make, mm-hmm. but in March madness in the tournament, one shining moment, anything can happen. Yeah. So whenever I do see that shot, there is like a little pit in my stomach. That's like, <laughs> Ooh, like if that shot went in, if that shot went in, how different would my life be? How different would in my college career would have went from that shot? You know, that's a shot that can break your spirits. <laughs> yeah. All right, and Nolan, well, I appreciate you being here on this episode. I know you're probably happy to talk to people as you've been, you know, quarantined during this time and everything. Yep. So uh, how's everything been going with you for the past week or so before we kind of dive into your early years? Yeah, everything's been good. Um, not not great, but good, you know, still, still, still breathing, still living, taking care of our guys. We did not make the tournament this year, um, but currently just – being quarantined, COVID knocked, knocked us out uh, of the ACC tournament. And then now it's kind of a uh, spread throughout our team. So no matter what, we would not have been ready for the NCAA tournament. Um, so now we're trying to keep our guys safe and start thinking ahead and get ready for next season. I kind of want to take it back to your early years. Like when you were growing up, what was kind of the life like with you growing up as far as, um, I mean, obviously, you know, your dad was someone who was in the league, all this basketball kind of, mantra around him so how was it for a young Nolan growing up yeah it was always it was always sports and school (laughs) it was really always those two things for me you know growing up in a basketball family my dad played the NBA sister played tennis mom was in the sports Uh, my dad you know when he retired was coaching the Washington Bullets you know at the time and then um you know when he passed when I was eight years old it kind of all just kind of became my thing of following following in his footsteps, you know. So my mom kept uh, – she ran a tight ship, you know, keeping me close and keeping me focused on whatever it was I wanted to achieve, you know. And that was – you know, at first it would just be successful in sports, whatever sport I chose. And, you know, I played everything. I played soccer, football, uh, basketball, tennis. I even tried lacrosse and just staying active. But – that's really what it was growing up as a kid and just having an ultimate focus on, on my sport of choice. And then obviously basketball became my, my sole sport. By the time I got to about eighth grade, um, I knew what it was I wanted to be great at. So then the focus level and the attention to detail went up about 25 notches. <laughs> I understand that. So like, so you kind of said like sports overall kind of helped you just kept you grounded and kept you focused moving forward and everything with that. Absolutely. You know, when you, when you lose someone in your life, especially a parent, you know, sports was kind of what kept me happy. It kept me uh, engaged with, with friends, engaged with people. Um, So that was always my outlet. You know, you don't really want to sit in the house. even if you're dealing with a a death as a child, because that's kind of all you're thinking about, you know, so my mom kept me in sports and kept me active. And I think it kind of helped, you know, stay focused on other things. Um, stay focused on other things. So it really, it really helped me as as a young child. And then, you know, as I got older, and you know, handled my grief, and with basketball being my 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 getaway, and the gym being my sanctuary. That's awesome. 
I mean, Maryland of all areas is no joke when it comes to basketball. I mean, high school and everything too. So kind of jumping into your early years of high school basketball, I know you kind of went to a couple of different high schools and stuff like that. What was kind of that process like when you went from kind of your freshman year to your eighth grade year, freshman, sophomore year, kind of jumping around to different high schools? Was it always kind of finding the right fit for you before you chose Oak Hill eventually? Um, no, it was really, we were moving houses uh, at that time. We lived in, we lived in D.C., um, so, so then that's where I went my freshman year. I went to St. John's College High School, which is in the WCAC, uh, the best basketball conference in the country. Um, and playing against the best competition, that's, that's what I wanted. And I was on a very good team. I think my starting five that year had three NBA players that became NBA players. Um, Dwayne Anderson went to Villanova, and Jason Wills went to North Carolina A&T. So all D1 players in the starting five. And then we moved out to PG County, Maryland. So in that move, the first month I stayed at St. John's, but then I was taking the bus, the Metro bus to the Metro train to the school bus. So I was waking up at like 5.30 a.m. just to get to school. So first, second period, first, second, third period, really I was sleep at my desk. <laughs> and teachers were, teachers were writing me up. They're like, no one's sleeping in class. He's not engaged. And my mom was mad at me. She's like, what are you doing? You know, you can't, you can't stay awake in school. But I, I was like, I finally told her, mom, I'm trying, but the, 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 how I get to school in the morning, it's hard. And so the, metro, found, the metro is tough enough anyway in DC. So. <laughs> exactly. And you're not sleeping on the metro. You know, you don't know who's around you. You know, you're, you're staying awake. You're holding on to your stuff or else you might get robbed. So <laughs> I'm holding on to my stuff and staying awake. So then I get to school. I finally get to relax and put my stuff down. I'm tired. So, <laughs> so to get, once, once that kind of became a problem, I talked to my high school coach. I was like, look, coach, like I love being here. This, but this isn't going to work out. Um, just for me and my family moved. So choosing Riverdale Baptist after that with coach Lou Wilson and, uh, Michael Beasley and I teamed up. That's when Michael Beasley was actually, uh, became like my brother you know he moved in with us so now you have the number one and the number two high school player in the state in our grade living together you know so that's when that's when life really got interesting for me is because I I, I had the no, another best player in the, in the in the country living with me we we became ultra competitive competitive on about everything you know, first one to get downstairs to eat. First yeah. one to, <laughs> cleaning the dishes, cleaning the, the trash out. <laughs> everything became a competition. Everything. And we made we made each other better. We made each other better. So we went to Riverdale together in that year. And after that year, you know, we 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 had accomplished everything in that area. You know, both of us were on the covers of magazines. We're number one and two in the state, um, top ten in the country, and the door opened up for us to go to Oak Hill. You know, Michael Beasley was like, you know, let's 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 look at something else. And our, our, our my stepfather and, and and AAU coach was like, you know, would you all want to go to Oak Hill? You know, play a national schedule, play against the best teams in every state. You can play on ESPN. You know, everybody would be, be able to see our talent. Um, so we ended up making that move. Um, we we're like, yeah, let's go. And for me, I knew it would be two years. Um, mouth of Wilson, Virginia, which is which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's literally basketball in school. And that's basically, like I said, that's what my life was, basketball in school. So that's what – that excited me. I was like, okay, I'm, I can be in the middle of nowhere if that's all I have to focus on in basketball in school. That's not a, that's not a challenge for me. 
but that's that's kind of how my my childhood growing up with you know being focused on accomplishing a, a dream, which is making it to the NBA. I was okay with that being all it was. You know, on that team, you know, I didn't realize that you and that you and Michael Beasley went there together. But you know, like you're joining that forces with like Ty Lawson and Brandon Jennings, right? On that same kind of Oak Hill team, was it kind of I don't want to say a sense of hesitation because y'all are number one and two in the state, but was there kind of a sense of you know we were top dogs at the school before Riverdale, we're going to this nationally televised team was there any sorts of hesitation or pause you know his life like are like are we ready for this or were y'all already like 100 in ready for oak hill knew that y'all would take it over yeah we were 100 in because i think because of where we come from pg county you know it's it's a basketball county i don't know if you saw the documentary in the water but we grew up hooping like and we grew up with d1 players coming before us and d1 players still to this day is still the hotbed for for college basketball. So for us growing up playing with Ty Lawson, who was already there, um, he, he had just finished the year there with KD. KD ended up leaving. If KD didn't leave, we would have had the best, the best high school basketball team ever. But he ended up leaving, going back home to Montrose Christian. Um, but we were excited because we knew our talent was talented enough to go play anywhere and still be who we were. So yeah, Ty Lawson, myself, Mike Beasley, you had Jeff Allen, who went to Virginia Tech, and Landon Milbourne went to Maryland. Albert, Albert Jackson went to Georgia. So you had six high major D1 players, but we, we were ready. And we always, we always wanted to play with talent. You know, we did that in AAU, where we had three McDonald's All-Americans on one team. So we knew playing with talent and winning was always going to be our main focus. How was kind of the recruiting process for y'all as far as being exposed more on television and stuff like that? And was everyone kind of – you know, approach differently with different coaches? Or were y'all kind of like grouped together? How did the process go overall for recruiting for Oak Hill? Yeah, uh, for, for Oak Hill, it was really a phone call from Steve Smith to um, to our AAU coach um, who said, hey, can we get them up here? And it was, it was pretty much done. Um, you know, he always recruited the D.C. area and tried to get players up there. Um, so it was a smooth transition. Um, easy decision, like I said, for us to go there. And, you know, we ended up being 40, 40 and one in that, in that junior year. And then I was 40 and one my senior year there with Brandon Jennings and the squad that we had the senior year. So 80 and two in two years, won a national championship. So, you know, to go there, you know, ultimately was a, a big time decision that worked out, worked out well. Um, now for his recruiting college coaches, it was a, uh, it was, it was it was cool because every college coach that wanted you had to come all the way up to Oak Hill Academy to see you. Um, so that was that was different. They were probably used to just traveling to, you know, Maryland or DC, which is easy to fly to, but to come to Oak Hill, that's when you really know if you want if you want a player. Man, so I obviously went to Duke. Everyone knows that Beasley went to Kansas State. Um how was kind of the thought process? I feel like Jennings is one of the first people to kind of go, not one of the first, but one of the one, few that went to Europe instead of going to college. Was that something that he kind of thought about at yeah. that time? And how did y'all kind of react? Because I know obviously now it's becoming bigger of a deal. People go to G League 2 NBA, but how was it kind of, you know, what y'all kind of say to him as far as his process when it came to going to Europe instead of, you know, college? Yeah, so he was the, he was the class behind me. So I was just saying mm-hmm. he was a junior. So at that time I was there, he was committed to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I thought he was going. But we were, we were really close friends. 
um, and talked a lot and still talk to this day. Um, so I kept in contact with him and he decommitted from Arizona. And I remember he hit me, he was like, man, I might go overseas. And he just started talking about, you know, all these school, these um, shoe companies that were hitting him up and like, hey, you know, you could do this, you could do that. And he just, he was always just different, thought different, thought about his brand and just thought like, hey, let's, let's, let's pave a different path that I'm still going to go to the NBA. And he wanted to develop and play against pros. So Brandon was really one of the first to do it. I think he was the first to do it, which was create his own path and still get to the NBA and be a top pick. That's great. And that's what I thought about too. I remember like, especially at that time, like being in high school, I was like, what's this guy doing? Like, he has no idea. Like he's going to be in Europe and get stuck. And he obviously, like I said, he paved his path. It takes someone to be thought of as being kind of crazy to do it, but then look at what's happened after that. So that's, that's definitely something to admire. Um, yes. the, yeah. Did you ever think like at the time, even if it was just like in a talk, like in a funny way, did you ever talk to like, you know, Michael Beasley or Ty Lawson about like teaming up in college at all together or were y'all all kind of set to go your different way after Oak Hill? It was definitely a thought. It was definitely a thought, you know, growing up with, with Mike Beasley, you know, in the same house, you're, it's, it's almost automatic that you're like, oh man, we should play together. We should go to the same school. But him and I both had different long-term agendas. You know, my agenda was more school oriented, you know, go somewhere. At that time, it was, you know, a four-year plan. You know, it was very rare. You had maybe five to six guys in your class that were thinking, want it done. But then the rest were like, okay, it's a four-year plan. I'm going to choose a school for everything, the education, the long-term, the life after basketball. Is this school going to take care of me, you know, once I graduate? You know, that's – so that's kind of where we knew there was going to be a separation as far as school decisions. But I had Charlotte on my list when he was committed there, and I had Kansas State on my list when he was committed there. You know, but then uh, Duke came came knocking. You know, basically stole me from from Louisville. Um, that's where my dad went, won a championship, and I basically had to make a very tough decision um, to go away from my family school. Um, my whole family went to Louisville, dad, mom, sister. So I was, I was the outcast and maybe <laughs> went, went away from that, from the red and chose blue with Duke. But it was, um, you know, a well thought out decision, uh, emotional decision, just because to be the father of Derek Smith, the son of Derek Smith and go to that school would have been emotional, you know, just in that city, it would have been a lot to carry on that legacy in the same city. So choosing somewhere else, but still, you know, following his legacy was um, really the reason I chose Duke and to play for Johnny Dawkins, who was teammates with my dad on the 76ers. Um, I had that very close relationship with him. And then Coach K, you know, you know it was hard to turn down Coach K, um, pitching family, pitching life after basketball, pitching great four-year career, pitching a championship, pitching, play along, playing alongside great players. And that's something that I had already did. You know, I talked about, we talked about my high school teams. I was used to playing alongside great players. So that's something that I really embodied throughout my whole career is, you know, not hunting my own team, but hunting great teams and learning how to be a star amongst stars. That's kind of something that was always my thing was be, can you be a star amongst stars? That's when you know you're really good. I find that's so admirable too. And I want to get into that a little bit later because I feel like 
you know, a lot of players now either buy into the whole like one and done and to each their own, good for you, like get paid, whatever. But like a lot of guys still want to have that mentality of like, I'm coming to the school, I'm going to win a national championship. And that's something that you did, which I admire for that aspect. Um, earlier, I did you say that you thought about going to Charlotte? Charlotte was it was on my list. Yep. So I graduated UNC Charlotte. I couldn't imagine if <laughs> if you went to Charlotte, that would have been <laughs> that would have been a top a top uh, ticket prize would have gone a whole lot up than when I was there. It was pretty easy to get into a game when I was there. <laughs> they had um, Coach Lutz was there, uh-huh. Bobby Lutz, and uh, Delonte Hill was the associate head coach, and Delonte was our AAU coach before going to Charlotte. So it was all it was almost a done deal, and then he ended up going to K State. I can't imagine <laughs> that was that that would have been crazy for Charlotte basketball to see that that would have been and hope that I think they're you know doing better now with you know different AD and new coach you know coach yeah. a few years ago but I think they'll on the up and up but um I, I, I had no idea that y'all were thinking at one point back in the day Charlotte that would have been crazy to think about <laughs> because I was going to ask you uh too um about Louisville but you kind of explained it already do you think you I mean obviously hindsight you made obviously a great choice going to Duke but was it you know was it tougher than you thought when you didn't choose Louisville because I imagine it almost could be like you said more emotional to where it's like I don't know if I can be at Louisville even though I have the, the athleticism to do it yeah. it might have been just too hard emotionally right yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a hard decision. But I, when I made the decision, I felt like like the monkey off your back. It was like I was at peace with my decision um, as soon as I made it. Because you know, people had me committed to Louisville before I even said I was going to Louisville. It was just kind of like he's going there. It's it's written. It's 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 God's plan. You know. So uh, every recruiting site before I even verbally said anything, had Nolan Smith, boom, boom, Louisville. And that's all you saw. So I kind of just went with it. I never said I wasn't going there. And then Johnny Dawkins called me and said, hey, man, are you, how committed are you to Louisville? He's asked the question. This as a family friend, wasn't trying to tamper or do anything like that. He just asked the question. Um, and I said, man, all that stuff just uh, was just put out there. You know, I still want to take some visits. He's like, oh, all right, well, we want to come see you. <laughs> we want to come see you. So then they came and saw me, and then it went, it went from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's – so I kind of want to fast forward. Of course, obviously, your first two years at Duke were great. I guess I guess we can kind of first talk into the freshman year and then kind of fast forward to your to your the national championship year of your junior year. But how was it kind of when you first had your first game in Cameron? Um I unfortunately never been to a game in Cameron, but I mean, obviously that you can't be from this area and not know about Cameron indoor. So was it, was it, was it what you thought it was or was it more than what you thought it was your first game in Cameron? Oh man, it was, uh, it was exciting. The first game. I think my first game was against North Carolina central. I think I had man, seven. That's right down the road too. Yeah. That was, their, that was their first D one game. And I think I had 17 points or six. So I played great. Mm-hmm. And you know, but obviously the level of competition in that game wasn't what it was going to be. So it wasn't like false, like a false narrative, but yeah. things got thicker after that game. <laughs> so my freshman year was up and down. You know, I played, played about 10 minutes a game. You know, but, but like I said, when you choose a school like Duke, you know, there's talent there. There was already eight McDonald's All-Americans on the roster with three more coming in. 
you know, so there was a lot of, a lot of skill, a lot of talent, a lot of big time players. Um, so I just had to work, you know, and, and that's one thing coach K always said, like, I'm not promise you playing time, not promising you positions, like nothing will be promised. You have to earn everything, you know, so freshman year went okay. You know, sophomore year I came back and I started, um, took the starting job from Greg Paulus, um, great friend of mine, but we competed and I ended up earning that spot. And then uh, that year was going off, going, going off to a great start, got off to a great start. And then about mid-sophomore year, we lost by 30 to Clemson at Clemson. Probably the most embarrassing loss in my college career. Um, after that, I, I, and I had a lot of turnovers that game. I had about seven or eight turnovers. So, of course, as a head coach, when you look at that, you go back to the drawing board, you have this young point guard. Um, you're going to look at something. So I was I was looked at, and they made a change in the starting spot. Um, so then from there, it was kind of a, a rocky sophomore year at the end of the, at that point. But then I finished off that year great. You know, coming off the bench, I, I helped us win the ACC tournament, uh, scoring and, and playing a lot of minutes. Um, and then junior year came. But the, for those first two years, in between those two years, the one thing I did was just work. I got I went home in the summertime and put the work in um, and just never put my head down, never thought about transferring, never thought about, you know, poor me and what I was going through and how things might not have been going the way I thought. But I just put the work in and just kept working and knew that things would work out. And I think that goes back to just kind of how you grew up in the Maryland area with the high competition. You're like, this is this is competition. If I want to go somewhere lower, I'll go somewhere lower. But I'm going to be in high competition. I'm going to push myself. And that led into your junior year where I won the, you know, the Natty later that year. But going into your junior year, did you see any sort of like switching culture or any things? I'm just curious as a fan of the sport, as far as that team won the national title that year, was there any sort of switch in that off season or throughout that year that you saw like, okay, this team is, this team has something special to them? Uh, yes. I knew we had something special and heading into that year, we knew what we had. Um, again, it was another big summer for all of us individually, but then you had two juniors, one and me ready to come back and prove himself as a killer. Um, so that's all I did the whole summer. I, I, I wanted to establish myself as a big-time player. Um, you had Kyle Singler, who was already established. You had John Shire, who was already established. You had Lance Thomas and Brian Zubek, who were solid, big-time college basketball players, but they knew who they were. And one thing we all had been through was we had lost in the tournament. We had lost early. We had all, you know, had some bad losses and been through some rough things. So coming in, we're like, look, this is this is the year. We're gonna all come together, and we had one focus, and that one focus was winning. We knew we knew who our scores were gonna be. We knew who our rebounds were gonna be. We had Mason Plumley and Miles Plumley, and guys kind of just knew their roles, and guys took off. It was really that simple. Guys took off and embraced their roles, and we played every game, you know, with such a confidence and, and, and swagger about ourselves that we knew we were champions, even though the world didn't believe it just because we weren't the biggest of names in college basketball that year. But we knew who we were. 
you know, like it's, it's so important to have those guys like you and was he like, was he a senior that year? Or yep. I mean, you get guys like that who are just like, they know who they are. They know the role. They know exactly what to do. And that's kind of what it takes to go through this whole entire thing. You can't, I mean, yeah, sure. You can win with a bunch of, you know, 18 year old freshmen, but it's, it's so important to have those leadership roles like that too. Like you just mentioned, um, I have to ask, do you ever have nightmares that Hayward shot went in at the end of the national championship? I <laughs> heard <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever ran into him like years later or anything too, but I mean, I've never seen a statistical thing saying like, you know, three inches from going in one degree from going in. And I know yeah. you, it's hard like as a player, you can't look at that and dwell on that, but just in a funny way, do you ever talk to anyone about that shot or anything? Uh, I think every time I see it, you know, when you see it, you feel like, you feel like that shot was going in. You know, I wasn't I wasn't nervous in the game thinking that he was gonna make it because I felt like the shot that he was gonna make was the shot before, um, fading to the fading to the right corner. You know, and he missed that shot. We get the rebound, I'm like, okay, game over, we got this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you don't think people are gonna make a half court shot. You know, that's yeah. a that's a tough shot to make. Mm-hmm. But in March Madness in the tournament, one shining moment, anything can happen. Yeah. So whenever I do see that shot, there is like a little pit in my stomach. That's like, <laughs> ooh, like if that shot went in, if that shot went in, how different would my life be? How different would my college career would have went from that shot? You know, that's a shot that can break your spirits. Yeah. <laughs> As a basketball player, like, do you do you go back and win it? You know, do you do what Virginia did after losing to UMBC and come back and win it? Maybe, but our team was totally different the next year. We lost all of our our three seniors. You know, we did have Kyrie coming in. Um, so maybe he doesn't get hurt. You know, we lose. Things are totally different. He doesn't get hurt, and we go undefeated, you know, which we definitely had a team with Kyrie to go undefeated um, that next year. <laughs> I remember seeing Kyrie in the uh, the summer league at Central. Yeah. Um, yep. And seeing him, and I was like, like – uh, <laughs> I felt a little uh, apprehensive when I saw him playing. I was like, this guy's going to ball. He's going to sweep everything. He's going to be – it's going to be ridiculous. Nah, those those games that year were some big-time games, so they would have been even better. Um, obviously, I think it was 2-1 to one that year. We won two, Carolina won, but that Carolina team was really good. So, if you add Kyrie to that uh, – I don't want to. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say it probably would have been 3-0. Mm-hmm. but it, they would miss some big time games. Yeah. So, you know, like with Kyrie coming in, you being a senior and, you know, him getting injured, did you kind of, um, I guess after the national championship, did you kind of see yourself like, should I flirt with some training camps, NBA, or did you kind of already tell yourself I'm going to be here four years? Um, I never told myself that, but I always said, I always feel like if you do three, you might as well do four. Like if you're going to leave early, go after one or two. Mm-hmm. But three years is like okay. Let's let's come back and try and do it again. It's only one more year. The NBA is not going anywhere. You know why go now? And they say go while you're hot. But if you believe in yourself and you trust your work, I'm gonna stay hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's no there's no rush, and that's exactly what I did. I came back even better. So I, like, I'm, there's no chance of me going down if you if you put the work in. So. You know, coming back was like, yeah, let's do this. Knowing who we had coming in, I had, I had already played with Brandon Jennings, Ty Lawson. Like, I get a chance to play with another big-time point guard. So, let's do it. That's awesome. 
So, you know, eventually after that year, you know, the, it didn't end how y'all want it to end after that year, but you go to Portland, you know, you were there towards the earlier years of, of Lillard and stuff. And did you see kind of a, a, a spark a lot of point guards didn't have in the league at the time? Absolutely. Dane was just, he always had the ability to score the ball at a very high level. Um, and he showed that his rookie year in first, in the first practice, <laughs> like we, we knew right away, he, he was a special offensive talent. Um, he had a demeanor and a, and a toughness about him that was that was special, you know. So definitely, definitely saw saw what what we're all seeing now coming his rookie year. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I know you spent a couple of years in the league, some overseas. Um, did you kind of always picture yourself getting back into coaching at some level after your playing career ended, or some Absolutely. sort of role within the leadership? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It was, um, again, just following in my dad's footsteps, you know, so seeing him coach the Washington Bullets, you know, before he passed away, that last thing I remember was him was him coaching, you know, so I always wanted to do that. Um, You know, when I, when I stopped playing, I didn't know when I was going to stop playing. I didn't think that my playing, playing career would end as fast as it did. You know, but due to injuries, I, I had to make that decision sooner, you know, than I would have liked. But thankfully, in choosing the right right school, I was able to make the best decision. Um, and be right here with Coach K was was perfect. I feel like that's an awesome, and that's kind of going back to the mentality, you know. When you have you pick somewhere like Duke, where there's a it's a tight network to where a lot of colleges, these kids, you know, players go play there and they leave and they never really make it back. But the fact that the community there was so close that you were able to get a job with Duke after you left is kind of it shows you that sense of community that you know that those types of colleges have is um is admirable. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's definitely you know we call it the brotherhood and we take care we take care of each other. Coach always, always to this day, ask about, you know, guys and how can they, how can they help and take care of each other? And, you know, he, he did that for me. Awesome. So um, did you meet Shana back when you were playing at Duke or afterwards? We met, we met my, my senior year of college and her freshman year. We met um, actually via Twitter. Nice, nice. Because <laughs> because she went to Carolina, of course, right? But she right went down to Carolina. So, but but she was always yep. a Duke fan, right? She was always a Duke fan, <laughs> um, and we just we happened, to, we happened to meet. And I'm glad. So there's no there's not a lot of there's really no, no Carolina stuff in the house. I think she maybe has one Carolina shirt and maybe her, but it's not a Carolina basketball shirt. It's a Carolina, yeah. just her school, you know, repping her school, and then um. But yeah, now she's she's a proud alumni as she should be. Yeah. I've I've been over there with her during homecoming, you know, hanging out with her and her friends. Yeah. So I, I, it's it's a cool it's a cool house divided dynamic that we get to share. Yeah, and of course, and the she has a luxury of kind of saying like always been a Duke fan, but if something happens to be towards Carolina, she can just kind of tweak it just a little bit to get just on your nerves just a much, saying hey, you know, you see the game last night. <laughs> just enough, just enough. <laughs> <laughs> and now you'll have two beautiful kids. So like, how has Shannon kind of been during all this? I feel like I really want to highlight the fact of how great she's been yeah. in your life as well. No, nah, she's she's been amazing. I mean, from the minute we met. You know, our story is unique because we never officially dated, but we first became friends and we stayed connected during my time in Portland, my time overseas. And she was always just a great friend to me and was there for me 
overseas when when it can get lonely. And then, you know, when I came back and we reconnected, she was finishing up school and her ROTC commitments before she um, went to become an officer in the Air Force. And then she left for Montana. Um, but then really, as soon as we reconnected, I knew I knew that she was the one. Um, so about three months of her being gone, by the time she came back, Christmas time, I proposed to her. Um, and then ever since then, I mean, she, she's been the rock. She's been the rock. You know, in order to be a, a coach's wife or a player's wife, you know, you, you, have to, you have to be strong. You have to be able to hold the fort down, um, take care of the house, take care of the kids. And she does that at an at a unusual level that a man will never understand <laughs> how, how they do it and how they just keep the energy to do it. I mean, even right now being in quarantine, you know, she, we have two beautiful kids, Cameron and Derek, and, you know, she's, she's holding it down right now with them while still working. And she works for a great company called Teamworks. Um, and so she's, she's doing her thing, you know. And one thing about Coach K always says never show weakness, and he always talks about mothers. He always say mothers never show weakness. If you, if you look at your mom, your mom has bad days. They might cry, but you'll never see it. And that's kind of how I look at when I look at Shana. You never see weakness. You know, even though you, even though you know she's tired. <laughs> yeah, you almost want to be like, can't you mess up one day? Like, can't you just have one day where you're not being super mom? And it's, it's it's crazy. I feel like that's awesome to hear that. And yeah, I feel like some people, and she just has that gift of doing that. But um, that's crazy. So so kind of going to uh, kind of progressing back towards your role now at Duke, right? Um, I feel like, you know, you saw it back in your recruiting process when you were, you know, back being recruited. You kind of you, you knew what you wanted, right, as far as a player, as far as the things you wanted to see and hear. Has that changed? Obviously, I assume it has in the past 10 years as far as how you kind of approach, other people approach players nowadays to come to Duke or to come to anywhere. Yep, yep. Yeah, the, the approach now in recruiting is very different. It's very different. And the difference is, you know, when I was coming up in a recruiting process, the pitch was school, um, the family that you're going to be joining, um, the university, um, the campus life, like just all those things you're, you're, you're getting sold on. The relationships that you're going to meet, you know, while on campus – um yeah you're going you're taking a real evaluation of everything now every every player across the board is thinking brand is thinking business is thinking nba is thinking you know about their career um that's that's the difference um and a lot of players now top 100 players they all think they're one and done two and done so when they choose a school, they're looking at only basketball. Now, the school probably a little bit, you know, but we spend a lot of time uh, talking about social media. You know, how are you going to build your brand? That's a huge part in our, in our recruiting, in recruiting spills to guys is, is that part. You know, we have the number one social media in the country, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything across the board. So our team does a great job at that. But that's what, the, that's what the, the, this generation is into. You know, and a lot of these dudes, they, they want to win championships as well. So they want, they, want, they want the best team to be on and have a chance to win. 
But like, I guess you know, rarely you see the guys like you, Hansbro for Carolina, just guys who like want to come to a school and win a national championship. You don't see a lot of guys, 17, 18 year old guys nowadays, saying that's their top priority. And more now, it's more about the brand, right? Not saying that's bad, but you see more brand yep. now. You see more brand. You see more brand, and it's definitely it's definitely rare that you have a big time player say, "Oh, look, I'm in no rush to get to the NBA. The NBA is going to be there." You know, I want to take my time and enjoy college. You are, you're, you're never going to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> never, if it happens, it happens. But after every season, you know, they're getting pressured from different people. Oh, you could be a first-round pick now. You could be second-round pick, but you're going to get drafted. You know, they're getting, they're getting sold on that more than graduating and winning a championship and being, being in a school. So safe to say, I feel like we're all kind of living in this adjustment period, right? Like 20 years from now, it might just be all brand. But now we're kind of in that awkward period where you and I grew up in this area. Guys, let's say four years, three years to get a championship, then go. Now it's all about the brand and stuff like that, um, which I guess is kind of a good thing that people like you on staff, people who've kind of seen both sides of the story, right? To kind of explain to them your story and things like that, too. Um yeah, I thought like that's just kind of a – we're just kind of in a weird area right now with college basketball with all that. Do you kind of see objectively from your point of view – I guess Charles Barkley said it a couple of years ago that the level of the NBA has kind of gone – not not overall, but some levels have gone down a little bit because these guys are going right from high – or college and stuff like that. Do you feel like the one-and-done rule and all this stuff has kind of affected the league at all? Or do you think people should maybe go one-and-done? Or I, mean, I don't want to get you into a, a corner or anything too, but do you think they should go back to the tra- traditional thing or – yeah, I, I think I think they should. I think they should go back to opening it up to where um, the guys that are good enough to go out of high school should go out of high school. So now, therefore, you're going to have a crop of guys that are coming to college that aren't the one and done. And I think that would be telling. Like, look, if you didn't go out of high school and you're coming to college, you're coming to college for a reason and that you should be here for more than one year. Now, if you have a killer year and you're about to be a top 10 pick, boom, that's going to happen. But then the next year, though, there's going to be another group of guys that are going to be straight out of high school. That, that get, that's going to interfere with that one and done because those guys are going to go first. You know, so that's, that's kind of where the game and, and when you look at it, the optics of it has changed. But now you have all these guys that have to come to college where now they all think they're in that boat of one and done if they're playing at their school, if they're playing 30 minutes a game, they all think they're that guy. So, but now you also, you add in the G League night, you have the overseas route. So there's things now that are putting pressure on college basketball and it's going to force college basketball's hand to change, you know, in order to keep college athletes happy. You know, the NIL hopefully is going to pass soon. So I think that's going to make, that's going to, that's going to incite, college college athletes to stay longer and not be in a rush because then they'll be they'll be able to uh, profit off of their names uh which will be a big time thing for college athletics and you know you see i'm not saying basketball or football i'm talking about across the board all sports men's sports and women's sports all will be able to you know create create a good lane for themselves while while in college you know which is something i'm in huge favor of you know for the athlete yeah, and I know you've been so out on the on the, on the front line as far as when it comes to rights for college athletes too. I feel like you know, and even with that too, and this kind of want to kind of lump in college athletes 
you know, rights to doing that stuff. And also all the things you've been doing, right. You know, with like teen cancer, America, um, all these different things that you've been doing. Um, what's kind of been your mindset? I, I guess, have you always just kind of had a mindset of wanting to help others have more of a voice and yeah. whatever thing they're going through? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's always been my mindset. And then it's, that mindset for me has went up since I've gotten back into this role as a college basketball coach is, is just being a leader and being a leader that is a leader of this generation. If you want to be a leader of this generation, you have to be in tune with what they want in tune with their needs. And you have to have an understanding for their wants and needs. And that's something that I've always had, you know, and I hope that as I get older and turn into a 60 year old grumpy old man, I hope to continue that feel for, for the generation. The generation is going to change when I'm 60. And if I'm still in coaching, I hope that I'm able to relate to these kids and, you know, get them what they want. You know, my, my, my goal and my ambition for them is just to be a leader and a role model and to speak out on issues to be a leader from that forefront that it gives them, it gives the athlete confidence to speak out on it. You know, you see them, you see the athletes in the bubble right now speaking, speaking out about what's going on in the bubble and they, they need more coaches and they need more leaders to back them, you know, and support them um, as far as what they want. It's awesome. I feel like that's awesome. I feel like that's where, you know, there's a lot of, there's been so many people in your era that have, you know, that are your age who have, played dumb this stuff but i feel like you're one of the few who are still you have a heart for the for these young kids now and i feel like it's it's crazy calling these college kids kids now because before it's like we're in the same bracket as them but now it's like they're younger than us but the fact that i think it's admirable what you do and what i've seen you and shana do as far as even just on social media just seeing what y'all have done as far as using your voice you know for for positivity i mean it's always great to see a picture of a baby you know which is great <laughs> a picture of your kids too but also seeing what y'all have done and be like you're not you're not being fake about it like you truly yeah. have a passion for help others and things and that's admirable and it's crazy that you and shana are both having to be married and doing it together absolutely nice it's always nice to have your queen who's who's speaking the same language as you you're on the same page and i mean as you know you you know my wife her heart her heart's bigger than mine. <laughs> so it makes, it makes what I do a lot easier having her support and backing me even during COVID, you know, being, being out here and still being able to move and do community, community outreach and give back to my community. You know, I had her blessings to go out there and do the work. How do you see yourself, you know, you and Shana, five, 10 years from now, do you still want to be in coaching or what's kind of y'all's thought process moving forward? Yeah, no, I definitely still want to be in coaching and, you know, whatever school I'm at, you know, that school is going to get the Smith family and going to get the whole family, which is going to be, you know, great for the community, for the school. And hopefully we just leave an impact on whatever, whatever city that is, you know, that's, that's what a head, that's what a head coach is supposed to do. You're not there just to coach basketball. You're there to impact the, that impact the city impact and, and impact those kids as well. So look forward to that within the next five years. Awesome. Well, you and Shana's college careers are done, but I can't wait to see the Smith kids where they commit to uh, 16, 17 years from now and see where they end up going to. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Noah, I appreciate this time. You're so easy to talk to. And uh, good luck with quarantine. Hopefully you stay healthy and you can get back with the uh, family soon. I uh, appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right.